0: It's God's light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. You are a child of God. Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine. As children, we were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us; it's in all of us. You know, uh, this week I had the opportunity to talk to one of our church members who uh, his name's Andy Coleman, and um, and you know it's. He's an amazing leader. He's actually running for Congress coming up in Jim Bridenstine's seat, and and Andy's an amazing leader. He graduated from the Air Force Academy, and and uh, he he actually works at Voice of the Martyrs, and that's where he serves right now. And he's just an amazing leader. He uh, was telling me about a trip he took to the Middle East. He he for Voice of the Martyrs, he focuses on the persecuted church in the Middle East, which is a crazy challenging job and, and he uh, had gone to speak at a conference in the Middle East and, and um, he got there and he was tired and he wanted to eat and he uh, checked into his hotel and he, and he went down to this little restaurant and as he was sitting there he, uh, a, 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 a Syrian woman comes and sits not too far from him and, and Andy was just really wanting to eat. He was tired and, 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 but she started talking to him and uh, so he could tell she was a kind woman, and and uh, so he just engaged in small talk, but really was like, oh, I just want to eat, I don't want to talk. And uh, uh, and but she started telling her story, and as she as she started talking, it it, it kind of piqued his interest because. She was talking about living in right inside of Lebanon and, and, and how these, uh, her, her village was bombed and, and all these people started fleeing. And, and she was a teacher. And, uh, and these stories started coming out. And he starts looking at her and he was like, oh my goodness, I'm sitting in the presence of, of spiritual royalty. This is the lady. Because he worked with the underground church, and and he always heard these stories of this teacher, this lady who would uh, lead people to Christ as they would flee. And it was just an amazing uh, account, and and people were reiterating about this lady. and, And he's sitting there, and he's like, this is her. This is the lady, and 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 uh, she's led countless numbers of people to Christ for decades, and and she starts talking about how uh, as she was not released to leave. She had to, she moved back into her village, even though it was bombed out and no running water, and and she was called to the people where she lived, and and this is recently, this is going on now, and and um and and Andy told me what was what's happening right now. A lot of these people that have left have fled to Germany, especially in this area. And in eastern Germany, there are all these churches that have been empty for decades. And now they're filled with Persians who have come to Christ. And these Persians are actually leading Germans to Christ that that are living there. They're fleeing from a war zone. And this was the lady that led a lot of them to the Lord. And it's just cool how God is at work. Folks, God is at work in the world. And, and we've been in the story in the book of Acts. And today, we're looking at this moment in Acts 8. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 8. Because we, we've been talking about how the church is called out that we are called out to serve the Lord. We're called out, called to go to the world. And God is at work powerfully in us and through us, and and God's at work in the world. And and, and so often it's easy to look at those, those areas in the Middle East and think, oh, they're our enemy. But folks, there are believers, there are men and women called to serve the Lord that are faithfully walking with Jesus and faithfully proclaiming the gospel. So, so my prayer for us is as we encounter the Middle East on the news, as we, as we encounter the stories of our enemies with Iran and, and Syria, let's not forget that we have brothers and sisters that are living there, serving the Lord. And for us, we need to be praying for them. Because all over the world, God is calling out men and women, boys and girls, teenagers, to serve the Lord, proclaim the gospel. Acts 8 is this incredible moment as another layman, and, and, and Luke, the writer of Acts, kind of turns the spotlight on these laymen now. The book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's interesting, starting in chapter, really, 5 and 6, Luke turns the spotlight, not to the apostles, but to the laymen. Now, the apostles are in Acts 8, but, but and they're at work, and God's using them greatly, but it's interesting as we encounter Philip in Acts chapter 8. Now, We're going to read verses 1 through 8 together, but I want you to hold in your Bible here because we're going to study really 1 through 25. It's a really, really interesting passage and an important passage for us. So would you stand with me and let's read Acts chapter 8, 1 through 8, and stand in honor of reading God's word. If you're a guest today, this is something we do. We stand in honor of the word of God because it's just a simple uh, position that we are standing acknowledging, look, this is not my word. It's not your word. This is God's word to us. And so Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 1 And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women committed them, and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now there's so many inspirational truths about these early believers. There's so many things we can look at their lives and just go, what, what heroes, what incredible men and women of God. But one of the things you don't ever hear them say is, God, where are you? God, why aren't you answering my prayers? God, why is this time so tough? Now, now we don't ever hear them, them saying that. They don't, it's almost like they're not flinching during these tough times. And I long to be one of those believers that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the challenge, that we're saying, Lord, we trust you. Lord, I'm going to walk with you. Lord, I'm not going to doubt you. And look at verse 1. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Now, I want you to know something important. Notice something here. That, that this is a tough time. Um, but but um, they were, of course, leaving town. They were getting out of there because it was, it was tense. It was tough. But, as, but, but I want you to see that they weren't just randomly going places. They were scattered. They were intentionally going, hey, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. And, um, and they, they were intentionally heading different directions. And they're, they're just brave followers of Christ. And look at, look at the verse 2. Devout men buried Stephen and made a great lamentation over him. Now, this is important because when someone was executed, you didn't properly bury them. You didn't mourn over them. It was looked down upon to do that. And these devout men, these men that were like, look, I don't care what comes my way. I'm gonna, we're going to mourn over Stephen. We're going to bury him properly. And, and that was important. Verse 3, you see Saul was ravaging the church, entering house to house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. I mean, can you imagine that happening here? I mean, just because you walk with Jesus, someone coming to your house, dragging you out, throwing you in prison because you, because you say you follow Jesus. Folks, folks, do you know that happens around the world? That, that we live in a world that, that, that great persecution is going on. We're, we're some, sometimes we don't recognize that. And see that, and, and, and honestly, in this, everyone's terrified of Saul right here. There's no safe place to go. Go, and 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 it's you got to recognize that that these these Greek Jews, the, they the, these Greeks, they are they are fleeing, these Greek believers, and um and and but it's in, in Jerusalem, it's tough too. I mean, John and, and Peter have been beaten. They, they've been threatened with the uh, prison. And so everywhere you go, these believers are facing really tough times. And now look at verse 4. It's so amazing. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. I love that because here it's so tough. It's so tense. I mean, Stephen just got killed and they're mourning over him. I mean, it would be like one of our deacons, one of our servants that, that just got executed because he, 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 he preached the gospel. He preached the word. And look at what they do. When they scattered, they weren't going and hiding. They were going and proclaiming the word. Now, this is brave and dangerous. And Now, what is the word? What are they saying? They're saying, look, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus came. He died on the cross. He he died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. This is the Messiah that the world has been looking for. Repent. Come to Jesus. Repent of your sins. That's what they're preaching. They're preaching the word. Now, verse 5 is so interesting because Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. He's a layman, okay? This is not an apostle. This is, I mean, this shows that all of us are responsible to share the gospel. I mean, sometimes we say, hey, I'm going to let my preacher share the gospel, No, this is a a, a servant in the church. He's he's going and he's proclaiming the message of salvation. And and everybody's listening to him. And look at what's happening. Um, Verse 6 says, Philip, when they heard and saw the signs that he did, they're paying attention. He's he's preaching and all these things are happening and, and unclean spirits are crying out with a loud voice and they came out of many who had them. I mean, there's a lot of evil spirits going around and, 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 and they're coming out and proclaiming about Christ and, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. I mean, can you imagine that? Someone that's paralyzed and, and they're being healed right in front of their eyes and, and there was much joy in that city. Now, all these, things, all these incredible things were taking place. Crowds are paying attention. Now, there's a point that I want us to catch today. And, and, and you've, when, I, when you write it down and follow along in your notes, I hope you follow along with us. But, but it, I want you to see this, that, that a crisis is the best opportunity to experience God's power. Now, now, you may have walked in the door today and you're in a crisis. You're facing a crisis. I, I know there are, there are several people in our church that are facing genuine crises. But I want you to understand something that when we go through a crisis, that's the best opportunity to experience the power of God. I mean, right here, this is a huge crisis. This was a tough time. This was a difficult time for the early church, and and they're facing persecution and death and and difficulty and imprisonment. I mean, this is terrible. But they're also experiencing the power of God. And I think it's important that we recognize through what You know, God had prepared them in advance for this trial. Remember Acts 1-8 when he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So in this moment of crisis, what they're doing is they are scattering, putting God's word into practice. And that's what they're doing. And this is why it's so important for us to to recognize that the power of God comes upon us, that God helps us in the midst of crisis. And so if you're going through a crisis right now, I want you to see that all through history, all through the church, um, crisis, times of crisis are moments where the power of God is on display And it's my prayer that we recognize that. Sometimes as in our American Christianity, we go through a crisis and we say, oh, no, Lord, where are you? No. When we go through a crisis, we should say, Lord, how are you going to move here? How are you going to work here? You know, God has given them, when you look at what God's doing in the book of Acts, God God is giving them power to be witnesses for Christ. And you see this, Philip goes and shares the gospel. He's he's being a powerful witness for Christ. Now, um, this is why, for you and I, as followers of Christ, we've got to learn to pray. And I want to challenge us to, to think about uh, t- what do t- times of crisis do for us? When we face a difficulty, what happens for a believer? We fall on our knees and say, Lord, we need you. Lord, I'm, I'm looking to you. And now, now, when you pray, you've got to understand prayer. It, it, prayer is not moving God to my will. Prayer is moving me to his will. And this is something I pray we catch, that, that, that as we learn to pray, and during times of crisis, um, we, we, we've got to get on our knees and, and pray. You know, what, one of the things I've been doing lately is listening to my prayers, listening to what's coming out of my mouth. And I've been convicted. that I don't want these rehearsed statements to come out of my mouth. When I pray, I am coming to the King of all kings, the God of all creation. I get to talk to him, and he will talk to me. I've never heard God's voice audibly. I've never heard that. But let me tell you something. The Lord speaks to us. And the early believers, these early church, they're going through these times of crisis and, and they're coming to their knees and God's using prayer. This is why the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray in Luke 11.1. 1. Teach us to pray. Teach us how to engage in that power. And, and so often, we don't, we don't pray. We, we gotta learn to pray. It's like my pastor told a story about uh, this um, growing up, my pastor growing, uh, at Council Road, Rick Thompson. He said there was, he was preaching one time, and, and uh, there was a kid that was acting up in church. Anybody ever get in trouble for acting up in church? Okay, oh, man. I remember, because, you know, used to, we'd sit in the choir, parents would sit in the choir, you know, and when someone got up from the choir, you're like, ooh, busted!" you know, come down. And, uh, well, this kid was acting up in church, and this mom had enough, and so she scooped him up, and she headed for the back door, and he was throwing a fit, and when he gets close to the back door, he says, people, people, pray for me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I mean, that was the most honest prayer in that church today, that day, because, but, but crisis, moments of crisis, moves us to pray, doesn't it? And, and I guess one of the things I've thought about is, is if I'm moved to my knees, that's got to be a good thing. And, and I pray we learn to pray. You know, when we go through a crisis, we've also got to not only pray, but we've got to learn to dig into God's promises. You know, um, the early church, they, they, had, they were devoting themselves to prayer. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they, don't have, they didn't have the New Testament like we have today. Uh, but, but they got to hear Peter and John talk about what was happening before they wrote their books. You know, we, we got to, they, they got to hear these stories. And, and, and it's important that we recognize that God's word ma- gives us strength. It, it makes us strong. It gives us wisdom. It, it shows us how to live. It shows us what to do. It, it shows us what we need to correct in our lives. This is why we are so intentional about turning our face to the word of God and looking at the scriptures and understanding what God's word says because we need to learn to dig into the promises of God's word. And so during times of crisis, if you're facing a crisis, I want to challenge you, turn your attention to what God's Word says. Now, third, when you think about a crisis and the power of God being displayed, it, we need to share the Gospel. That's what Philip does. He, he moves, comes into the city, it's a crisis. He, he's devoted himself to the teaching of the Word. He's, he's praying, he's learned how to pray, and now he's sharing the Gospel. He's talking about Jesus and and, and everywhere we go people need to hear the message of Christ and you know what I think that so often in in our church we keep that to ourselves far too much and and I I want want us to, I pray that we are a congregation that says Lord we cannot help but speak about what you have done And, and can I just challenge us that if if in the last four weeks, you have not shared the gospel with somebody in your life and you 're a believer you 've been forgiven, you know what it 's like to be forgiven, then you 've missed opportunities and it 's important for us to recognize the 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 call that all of us have to share the gospel and and yeah it 's a step of faith yeah it's scary last week um, uh, I, I got to share the gospel with a guy and and you know, uh, it's interesting because as I think about this call that we have, the reason that I want to share the gospel with everybody I know because, you know, Christ helps me in crisis moments. I need the Lord. And this guy that I met last week, he, he uh, said, oh, I'm a Buddhist. And I said, well, can I tell you the difference between Christianity? And he said to me, he said, I'm looking for peace. I'm searching for peace. And I said, you know, let me. Can I tell you about Jesus and what He did? And I, and I said, Isaiah said that that the that, that the punishment that brought me peace was on Him, and by His wounds you're healed. And, and I and and I said, you know, that salvation's not in your hands or mine. He goes, No, I disagree with that. He said, salvation is completely in my hands. And I said, Oh man, okay. I said, um, uh, can I can I just let you know that whenever you get tired of trying to get to heaven on your own, man, I want you to know that Jesus is there waiting for you to take that burden off of you. Hey, Robert, his name is Robert. I said, Robert, the peace you're searching for is in Christ. And and, and you know what? The world needs to know this. The people around us need to know this, and we're in this, such a culture of, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Oh, folks, come on. The, the, the world needs Jesus, and we're called to share the gospel. I mean, Philip didn't walk into Samaria and go, oh, man, I don't want to offend anybody. No, he's like, oh, i got to proclaim salvation in Christ, and I'll tell you, it's important. Now, now, as you look at this passage, um it's there's something interesting, like in verse nine it 's interesting because um, Philip goes to Samaria now Samaria you' got to understand we 're not going to go into all the detail, but a Samaritan was a half jew okay and and it was they were so hated Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Uh, the Jews thought they were disgusting, like they were so disgusted by the Samaritans that when they were heading to Jerusalem, they would completely go around Samaria. To avoid going through that land, that'd be like uh, I'm gonna go to Jinx, but I don't want to pass through Tulsa, so I'm gonna go around Tulsa to get to Jinx. That makes no sense, but but that's what they would do. They they just so hated each other. Now now. Um, it's interesting because this guy, verse nine, talks about this guy named Simon, and man, he's a piece of work, uh, because Simon was this guy that made everybody think he had godlike powers, and uh, and he was very popular. But but look what happened when Philip preached in verse twelve. It says, "But when they believed as he preached the good news, all these people are believing in Christ. Uh, when they believed Philip." As he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, look at this, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now um, now, all through the scriptures, you see these people coming to faith in Christ, now, all through the scriptures, you, uh, you, the, Bi- the Bible describes what happens when someone comes to faith in Christ. Point number two today is this, that, that the Holy Spirit will confirm your salvation. That, that when, when you are saved, when a person comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit confirms this. And, and these pe- people in Samaria, when they heard Philip preach, they watched the Lord move in front of them. They believed and followed Christ in baptism. So they had trusted Christ. Now, let me explain it this way salvation occurs the moment you've trusted in Christ. You know, we were all born lost, right? All of us were born into sin. You know, we all need to come to faith in Christ. And the moment that you see Jesus, who he is, what he did, and that he came to the cross for you, and the moment you say, Lord, I put my faith in you, you are saved. The Bible's clear on this. Now, salvation, let me explain it. Salvation points to your past, your present, and your future. Now, it points to your past because we needed a moment that we were saved. You know, that, the, the big Bible word is justification. There was a moment we were made just like you never sinned. My, my friend Sean is right here, and, and uh, last Easter, Sean came to faith in Christ. And, and, there, and as we went home that day, he trusted Christ as his Savior. That was a moment he was made just like he never sinned. And for all of us, we've got to come to that moment. Now, salvation points to your present because we're in the process of growing up spiritually. The Bible calls that sanctification, that we're growing up in our faith. And, and we are, that's a lifelong process, that we are growing to understand God and understand his word more and more. Then salvation points to the future. And, and the term is glorification, that the time that you finish your race and, and you go to heaven, because this world's not our home. And, and, and there's a day that we come to faith in Christ, we grow up in our salvation, and then the Lord takes us to heaven. Glorification. We get our new body. And, and I'll tell you, I played tennis yesterday, and I need a new body because I'm hurting today. <laughs> I long for that new body. Um. But salvation points to your past, present, and future. The Holy Spirit, and I want you to see this, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes the moment of salvation. Now, we see this in, in lots of places in the Scripture, but I want to point in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, it says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, look at this, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. Now there, Now this shows that the moment you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And this is what the Bible reveals. In Romans 8, it talks about this. In Acts 2, uh, in Peter's sermon, Paul's conversion in Acts 9, uh, Cornelius in Acts 10. And, and this is the what happens when the Holy Spirit saves somebody, when God saves somebody. So that's what the Bible teaches. Now look at verse 14, because we've got a little problem here, it seems, But let's look at this. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, what's troubling here is there seems to be a delay There's a delay right here of the Holy Spirit in Samaria. And and Philip preached, and all these signs and things happened, and then, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. They believed, they were baptized, but the Holy Spirit had not come upon them. Now, some people look at this and say, well, Peter and John had to come because Philip messed things up. But he didn't do that. He didn't mess things up. He preached the gospel, he knew the gospel, he knew how to preach. Even though he was a layman, he knew how to preach, and 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 this is a very divisive passage among churches. I have a lot of friends who are in charismatic circles who would interpret this passage, use this passage to recognize that look, salvation comes in two parts. It comes when you believe, and then you've got to wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I don't know if you've ever heard that. We have. I mean, that's in we're in the charismatic capital of. The world in many ways. But when you look at this, it, it, to have that understanding that the Holy Spirit will come at a second time goes against all, all th- through the Scripture. It goes against what the Bible says, what we just looked at. So how do we understand this? How do we understand this separation between salvation and the Holy Spirit? Now, I, I do want to say this is not the usual pattern that we see in Scripture. It's really not. But some people point to this being when Peter and John come, it was this outward experience that Simon, Simon noticed. And, and it's interesting because, um, you know, one of the things you can't rule out here when you look at this passage is, is God working in the heart of somebody. You know, I think that many, almost all of these people that believed and were baptized, I think they were saved the moment they believed and, were, and then followed through in baptism. But, but then Peter and John come. And do you know what? Some, some people interpret this as the Samaritan Pentecost. That, that Just like at Pentecost, there was such an outward movement of the Spirit that, that uh, this, is, this is something that was taking place in the community, not necessarily in individual hearts. So often we read the text as everything for the individual. But what you see is the Holy Spirit moving in a community here. And Simon was, uh, it's interesting, uh, he noticed all this. Now, I, I think when we look at this passage, we can't get bent out of shape about the timing. Definitely there is a timing issue here. And you have to think about that and understand that. And I can see where some of my charismatic friends would go this way, but, but it just doesn't gel with the rest of Scripture. To, to come to the idea that salvation is in two parts, that you need a second indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because the Scripture clearly points to the fact that when you are saved, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Now, um, I think there's two important things you see here. I think, there, I think there's two reasons that this is important. Number one, when you look at this passage, you see the proclamation of the gospel. And that is important everywhere we go. Let's not get stuck on the timing and miss the most important thing that God has called his people to proclaim the gospel. The second thing that I think is important and the reason Peter and John needed to come because think about the Samaritans and the Jews. They had a historic conflict. They, they hated one another. And this was a moment where God was bringing the church together. And so you see the proclamation of the gospel and you see the unity of the church. You see, if Peter and John would have gone, they wouldn't have been received by the Samaritans. Philip went in front of them and then brought the church together together. Because what is the church getting ready to do? They're getting ready to go to the whole world to proclaim the gospel. And so this is a very important moment, I believe, as as the Holy Spirit is is being proclaimed, the gospel is being being proclaimed, and the church is coming together. Because I'll tell you, one of the things that is critical for a church to be effective in communicating the gospel is Unity so this is what's going on in in this passage in Acts 8 so let's be careful that we don't say oh well i need more of the holy spirit now now the holy spirit's in us now we need to turn our face to him we can reject his voice as we saw in our skit today don't do that now uh, i want you to notice something i said earlier almost everyone believed in jesus cuz not everyone did our buddy simon He's, a, he's something. And we see in verses 18 through 20, 25 that Simon missed the boat here. Now, point number three I want you to catch. The Bible warns against counterfeit repentance. Now, hear that. The Bible warns us against counterfeit repentance. So Peter and John lay hands on these people, um, all these things start taking place, and Simon, who is Simon? Simon is, we, we don't really know who he is. A lot of people believe that, like Josephus talked about, Simon was this heretic that led the church astray. But we don't know, we, we don't know exactly if this is the same guy but we do know that Simon uh, missed the boat because Peter gets in his grill in a big way. Verse 20, he doesn't hold back because um, Simon, he's this professional spiritual guy, sees all these things taking place and says, you know what, I can make some money on this. Hey, I can, I can profit from this Holy Spirit thing. So what does he say? He says, hey, uh, Peter, hey, I'll give you some money and, and, and I'll pay for this so I can have that ability. So look at that. Peter looks at him in verse 20. Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. Okay, I thought preachers were supposed to be nice, right? He's not very nice here. I mean, he's like, look, you're in the gall of bitterness. You're, you're going to, may your money perish with you, buddy. How dare you say you can buy the Holy Spirit? And then Simon kind of flips out and says, "Pray, Pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you said may come upon me. Now, when a person is saved, the Holy Spirit does something important, and I want you to see this. The Holy Spirit, God, changes us from the inside out, not the outside in. And see, Simon is like looking at this spiritual activity, going, hey, I can, I can, ma- I can make this happen. No one can manipulate the Spirit of God, nobody can. And, and the Holy Spirit is always God's gift to believers and we need to hear this warning today that that and I want you to see this that spiritual activity with selfish motives results in God's judgment now folks we live in a world that is uncomfortable with the judgment of God now that's right because we should all be uncomfortable with the judgment of God but we live in a world that wants to deny the judgment of God. And this is the danger of that health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that I see all over the place. That, look, if you, if you come to Jesus, you'll always be healthy. You'll never face problems. That's not biblical. That's not true. You know, you, 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 we live in this world where preachers will say, hey, if you give money, God will give you more money and 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 that's just wrong we don't give out of out of um I- out of this desire, God, I want to give so you'll give back to me. No, we give out of gratitude in our hearts. We give because God has given to us. And and it is with joy that we give, that that my wife and I tithe every, every paycheck. It is with joy we do that because God has blessed us so much. I don't give with the intention of getting some divine kickback. Folks, we've got to grow up in this we've got to recognize the the danger of this false of this manipulative spirituality because false spirituality brings god's judgment and and simon um, I, i don't want us to make the mistake simon made because simon just he peter says you need to repent of that buddy and all he says is hey pray for me that these things don't happen to me. He doesn't say, oh, you know what? You're right. My heart is not right. And no, we got to hear that. Folks, um, the Holy Spirit is at work. God is at work in our lives, and you may be facing a crisis right now. And can I tell you that when, if, if that's where you are, a crisis is one of those moments where God will work in supernatural ways. Trust him. Understand that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life right now. God is growing us up to be a people of faith, to be a people that say, God, we will follow you and we will trust you. Let's, let's reject that false spirituality. Spirituality. That, that idea that God, I'm just gonna give, I'm just gonna serve you so that you will bless me. No, God, because you have blessed us, because you have forgiven us, because you have saved us, we give you everything. We will follow you, we'll go wherever you tell us to go, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. See, that's where the church was. They were like, hey, no, the gospel has so changed us. We can't help but go. And share Christ. Has Jesus changed you? You know, God is calling you now. Come to come to Him. You know, we're gonna have an invitation, and I want you to stand right where you are. And as you stand, uh, it's my prayer. And the reason I like standing in invitations is because it's it's already taken a step to move. Okay? You've already made that first initial movement that, God, if you move me today, I'm going to, if you're speaking to me today, I'm ready to move. And I think we always need to be ready to move, ready for God to move us. Do you know Christ today? Oh, have you trusted him? Is he in your life? I'll tell you, there's no other way you can make it through this life Without Jesus And I know people that say to me oh, Chris you just, you, just, you just have a crutch You just need a crutch Yes I need more than a crutch I'm, I'm dead without Christ we need, I, mean, I was raised from death to life And that's what salvation does When, when you're saved You go from death to life It's a miracle and Let's follow Jesus today Let's put his word into practice today Don't disappoint you. Like we're going to sing this song, Lord, speak what is true. What God's word is truth, and his spirit will lead you. You can trust him. Follow him today. Our pastors are going to be down front, and maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to come and talk to one of us, and we'll take you outside this room and, and help put you with somebody that can open God's word and show you what God's word, what God is saying to you. Would you follow him? Would you trust him?